Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Hello, and welcome to Reimagining Motion, a podcast from the High Volume Transport Applied Research Program, which is undertaking research into the complex and interrelated issues of sustainable transport across Africa and South Asia. I'm Holger Dagmann, your host for today's session. Welcome. In our first series, we are exploring transit-oriented development, or TOD. In urban planning, TOD is a type of development that can enable residents to live closer to jobs and services and reduce the time and environmental burden of transport and also boost economic growth. It has become a leading trend for urban planning in recent decades, particularly in high-income countries. In this series, we are talking to TOD experts from our HVT research program and explore the nature of TOD, whether it can be beneficial to low-income countries, how it might be implemented, but also what the barriers are. Each episode draws on the latest HVT research, case studies and newly developed frameworks offering insights and practical ideas for a TOD approach. In our episode today, we'll focus on data to better understand and plan for transit and for TOD. We've seen huge urban growth in many low-income countries, but what does this mean in terms of urban planning for those heading into the cities to have a good quality of life and to support sustainable growth? One of the key aspects to knowing the situation in these rapidly growing cities and how to plan is having the right data. So let me welcome our guest, Philip Krause. Hi, Philip. How are you doing today? Very good in yourself, Holger. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Thank you. So where are you in the world, Philip? I'm based in Cape Town, South Africa. Okay, fantastic. So, so great to have you and thanks for coming. Uh, so let me briefly introduce yourself before we actually get started. So Philip is a transport engineer and project manager of Girl Sandal, who's working on the African Urban Mobility Observatory, or AUMU, which is using telecommunication-based technologies to support the collection and analysis of mobility data across sub-Saharan African cities to promote low-carbon mobility. And Philip, you have to tell me later about how to pronounce this AUMU. So again, welcome. So starting also with urban planning. So Africa is is urbanizing pretty rapidly more and more people coming also into the cities so what you see is, is the biggest challenge for africa when it comes to coping with that and comes to urban planning and how to how to manage that and how to move forward i think it's a very complex uh, matter and it's it, you know it, it, it's there's no one size fits all solution to the challenges that the various cities face across sub-saharan africa so it's, it's a it's a complex matter that and i think that the the solutions will vary from city to city but one of the the key challenges that makes urbanization uh in in sub-saharan africa unique compared to perhaps uh, developed parts of the world is that a lot of the people moving into the urban areas are from low-income backgrounds and are not able to afford to necessarily live in areas of the city that, that have better access to opportunities. So I think the critical steps to be taken are to recognize or for, for governing authorities to, to recognize that they need to ensure that these people who are moving into their cities are able to somehow you know, access the opportunities and, and 
ensure that the growth and the spatial patterns that emerge as a result of the increased urbanization leads to more efficient transport uh, land use interrelationships. So you so you speak about uh, transport and the integration of, of land use and transport. And uh, as this podcast is about uh, TOD, what, what do you see uh, as the opportunities, but also the challenges, particularly uh, for Africa and, and you uh, live in, in South Africa, as so you said. So where do you see uh, so how to to bring this idea forward? So I think one of, the, one of the advantages that should be leveraged to the extent that it can be is that while it is unfortunate that many of these low-income residents um, are captive users to public transport, they are nevertheless public transport users and NMT users. NMT is non-motorized transport. So that would include uh, cycling, walking, And to some degree, even e-bikes, even though those do have motors, but often they are um, considered to be part of the NMT domain. And that means that the, while the trajectory is moving towards private automobiles, um, there is an opportunity to uh, ensure that as they are able to become choice users, that public transport remains attractive. So it's, it's a very different situation to... Uh, developed world cities, uh, especially the more sprawling cities in the U.S., where automobile adoption is is pretty much a given, and trying to attract those choice users out of their cars and into public transport, at least in in in, in the context of sub-Saharan Africa, the the, the mode share already is uh, heavily tilted towards or leaning towards public transport and NMT. Thanks. So. Overall, what we have learned, or I've learned uh, so far on also TOD uh, for Africa, there is a huge potential and is a need, in fact, of the integration of, of transport and land use. We have with public transit and so many users, there's the opportunity also to make that viable. At the same time, we have to include really also affordable housing and providers' incentives, as well as also the better collaboration also between government. So now as moving towards your main key area you're working now on data. So, but let's talk about this data in the context and uh, of, of, of TOD. So tell us about a little bit more about this, what are you doing and uh, what are actually the benefits of, of collecting those data? So on the, the Ormo project, and, and some people say Ormo, some people say Aumu, and there's yeah, many other variations that I've heard as well, and it really doesn't matter as long as you know it, uh, as long as everyone is on the same page about what we're talking about, then it's fine. One of the key objectives was to collect data uh, using a range of new survey techniques to try and reduce the cost of data collection. Um, because data collection, of course, it's, it's important to understand what the status quo is. You need to, before you can start investing in uh, and planning for improvements you need to know what you're improving and where the pinch points are and where you know where, where the various challenges might lie so that you know where to um, prioritize often very limited budgets so we we collected data um, we developed a, a series of data collection tools specifically for this project so that with the idea being that they would be you know could be used moving forward and replicated in in future by other other planners. One of the data collection instruments that we used was uh, just the conventional surveys where enumerators on the ground uh, intercepted passers-by and, and asked them a series of multiple choice questions. And then another, another instrument that we used was um, 
USSD or unstructured supplementary services data messages, which is essentially it's a it's a GSM based communication protocol which allows low end mobile devices. So I'm talking about devices from you know any time from the the, the mid 90s till you know till present really. It basically allows low-end mobile devices to, to communicate with the server. So you're able to emulate, to some extent, uh, a, a survey that otherwise you would require internet connectivity to, to conduct. And that just means that in terms of your sample, uh, because we're dealing with a context where I wouldn't say very few people have smartphones, it is, it is increasing rapidly, but very few, few people have smartphones that they have data connectivity on permanently or are willing to use their data. So we needed to find an instrument that, that was have a very wide reach. We also conducted surveys via WhatsApp and then also uh, a smartphone-based technology that we developed uh, in-house called User Movement Analytics. So, so bring that back also to the TOD. What, what, what kind of, of, give us a flavor of what kind of data you actually collected and how is that actually useful for planners, for developers? The data that we collected, we, we collected three axes of indicators or data that informed three axes of indicators rather. And in terms of TOD, the ones which are most relevant are the mobility indicators, which looked at uh, travel time, accessibility, and uh, mode share, uh, yeah, amongst, amongst others. And another aspect of the project was to develop a web platform which allows the visualization of the data that we've collected so that a planner is able to see where there are hotspots or, or difficulties in, in accessing opportunities in various parts of the city and where travel times are high. So to answer your question, essentially, the data is necessary in order to understand if you want to, if you want to, pro, if you want to use TOD principles, you need to know where, where are people actually wanting to go at present? Where are people coming from? So that you don't end up duplicating existing opportunities or, or relying on new opportunities emerging, but rather leverage what you have and reorient your development patterns by retrofitting TOD rather than starting something new. Thanks, Philip. And for our listeners, we should also highlight that uh, so the linkers to the web platform, which I understood is quite complex, uh, is in fact also in our description. On Aumo, you had six cities you worked also closely with. So I guess also as Africa is also so diverse and the city are so diverse. Can you share a little bit of, of observations of the challenges and, and also ob uh, op opportunities? For, for, for those? Sure. So the, the six cities were uh, Blantyre, Gaborone, Kigali, Kinshasa, Lagos, and Maseru. And as you might recognize, they're quite diverse in terms of the, the size of the city, the you know, population densities, and also the regions in which they are, and, and you know, their, their GDPs. So one of the things we looked at was the paratransit services which were, which were operating in these cities. And, and the big difference was, for example, with the comparative cities of Blantyre and Kigali, which are the two action plan cities. And we can speak more about that in a, in, a, in a bit. But essentially, Kigali have a situation where there has been much paratransit reform and paratransit or minibus taxis have been replaced by formalized bus services 
Whereas in Blantyre, the opposite is true. There's no formal public transport services and, and all public transport trips are served by informal paratransits. So by reviewing or conducting this research across so many different cities and environments, we were able to see what are the reform strategies that have worked in some cities, what are the, what are the where are the opportunities for reform in other cities, and, and are those reforms actually necessary or, or not? So, thanks, Philip. How can data help us with the reform? And can give you can you give us uh, an ex example on what happened? So you had just a workshop in Kigali. So how how move things forward in Auma? Yeah. So we we had a workshop in in both uh, Blantai and Kigali as the two action plan cities. One of the the deliverables on this project is to. Uh, co-developed action plans with uh, the municipalities with of, of two of the cities from the list of the long list of six, um, and we chose Blanta and Kigali as the the final cities to work with since they were the most engaged in this project throughout. So, in terms of the the key findings, one of the exercises that we went through in the Kigali workshop was to review the indicators um, that had been pre-selected and determine whether they were context appropriate, whether they, whether perhaps there's certain realities in Kigali that differ from other cities that make the, the definitions of the indicators perhaps not quite uh, appropriate. So uh, one of the, the indicators that raises a concern was that regarding accessibility. Accessibility we defined as the time it takes to access public transport services. Now, I think in any city, really, it's, you know, accessibility is much more complex than that, especially when looking at, in the context of TOD, accessibility is about access to opportunities. So whether that be access to healthcare, to employment opportunities, education, basically any any opportunity that, that, that you might want to access, that's what you really want to be measuring, not, not whether you can access transport, because transport ultimately is just the, the conduit to... to access that opportunity. So there definitely needs to be some work in terms of the way these indicators are defined. And, and the limitation of the reason the indicator was defined in that way was really because we were trying to ensure that the, that the indicators would link well with the, the data collection techniques that we were using. You know, we we're using several different data collection techniques, some more capable than others. So we had to ensure that there was compatibility between them because all the data needed to be uploaded into a single uh, database and, and be comparable. So, so there is definitely a need for work there. This project is, is all about also, uh, data collection, but there's a data analysis. Um, uh, finally, uh, this project also needs to work also with, with, with local players and to be also picked up. So how is you ensure that this is not just a database put on a website which is then also not used. So how did you work and how are you working with like your, your local partners? So from the, the very start of the project, we've been working with stakeholders locally. And that, that includes stakeholders from the private sector uh, as well as from the public sector. So in terms of public sector stakeholders, we've been, for example, in Kigali, we, we, we've been working with uh, City of Kigali officials um, throughout the project 
and they've been involved in all the steps that we've been through, at least in terms of getting the necessary permissions to collect the data, but also we've informed them about how we engage with the, the private sector stakeholders to achieve the, the objectives of, the, of those various campaigns that we ran. So our, our intention uh, was to transfer the knowledge that we gained through the course of this project to, to the, the, the public officials so that moving forward, they can continue to take advantage of some of these novel data collection techniques that we've developed. The other issue often is when we talk about this data is, is privacy and the question, are my data so secure and, and are they not being as misused? So how did you make sure that this is not the case in your project and the initiative? Yes, yeah, so data privacy is obviously a very sensitive matter, and it was it did it did pose interesting challenges throughout. Of course, this project, you know, it, it's it's a GDPR compliant project, which means that there were certain logical steps which we had to follow, which helped to simplify the process of ensuring that uh, we we respected and protected people's privacy. But one of the key one of the key decisions that we took was to essentially, you know, avoid collecting personal data as far as possible through all the, the various uh, survey technologies. So while this was very easy for uh, the, the case of intercept surveys, we simply just didn't, didn't ask people for any personally identifiable data, such as locations or cell phone numbers or, or, or names or ID numbers. When it comes to the, the technology-based uh, survey instruments, the, some some personal information collection or data collection becomes unavoidable. For example, with USSD and WhatsApp surveys, you will always um, have access to the person's cell phone number, which is you know personal data. And then when we move on to the smartphone-based application, the user movement analytics, there we're actually collecting live location data. So what is important though is you know per GDPR, informed consent is required which means that you need to communicate to the prospective respondent what the purpose of the data collection is, how the data will be used and how it might benefit them, and essentially making it clear to them that their participation is, is completely voluntary and that they can opt out at any time. So for all the different data collection methods, we ensured that we disclosed the rights of the user so that they would know <clears throat> whether or not they they would be informed and they would know whether they really want to participate so they didn't feel coerced to participate. And we just ensured that when it came to the, the smartphone-based app, we ensured that we uh, included prompts and screens that, that would take the, 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 the prospective user through a sequence that would ensure that they really were giving consent for, for the data that we were wanting to collect from them. And then finally, in terms of the way the data is presented on the web platform, the data that's accessible to the general public and to public officials is is aggregate data so all that personal the personally identifi identifiable data such as the live location data is 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 not accessible through that platform that is is aggregated and and turned into or informs indicators to draw useful data from the the raw data but but the, the raw data itself is is kept safe and completely separate Fantastic. So what I learned so far is, in fact, uh, five things. Data collection is crucial to plan 
um, particular with indicators like modal split, but also indicators like access, where also more work needs to be done to get really also uh, the information needed for TOD planning. The indicators need to adapt to the local needs. Data collection techniques have to brought us together. And here in that example, is really also on one, one platform. Important is to have the capacity and uh, to create also the ownership of data collection and analysis locally, as well as ensuring also the privacy of the of the data. So, thanks a lot, also Philip, for for all that 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 information. Just a closing question: If you now is to look forward also to the year twenty thirty, so what is your uh, vision in terms of particular integrated transport and? Uh, land use planning, TOD, and and how to make that vision happen in the next eight years, particularly so the role of of data here. What do we need to do? So, I think looking at at twenty thirty, essentially it's 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 a matter of really identifying how to make the most of limited budgets in terms of retrofitting TOD principles to existing um, development patterns to try and encourage affordable housing in central areas by putting in place inclusionary housing policies and really ensuring that automobile-oriented developments such as, you know, in terms of improving the experience of private vehicle users is any 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 budget which is available should should not be spent on that. It should it should be spent on public transport infrastructure and, and NMT infrastructure. Fantastic. Thanks again, Philip, and uh, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, If you would like to find out more about the work of our guest and any other resources, please check out the links in the description. I always encourage you to listen to the other episode in the series where we explore a variety of other topics related to transit-oriented development. Also, you can leave us a rating and review. It really helps others find our podcast and if you'd like to learn more about the high volume transport you can check out our website transport-links.com or follow us on twitter under at transport underscore links or on linkedin at high volume transport applied research program the high volume transport applied research program hvt is an 18 million pound investment by the uk foreign commonwealth and development office fcdo the program's new body of research aims to help inform the decisions of policymakers in low-income countries make road and rail transport greener safer and more accessible and affordable my name is holger Dalkman, and you have been listening to reimagining motion thank you very much stay and travel safe wherever you are Goodbye and auf Wiedersehen.